Today, we begin in an unlikely place. And then we headed east on I-86 towards... We're in the back of a dirt-streaked Jeep. Well, I mean, Jason and I aren't really, but this guy is. And all right, for those that don't know us, my name is Adam, my girlfriend's name is Kelsey, and we decided to give up our lease in Seattle and live and work full-time from the road. Adam is one of those people I've worked with here at T-Mobile who decided when the pandemic hit to actually put his life on wheels. He and his girlfriend loaded up their dog and worldly possessions into a sleek black 4x4 and left the keys to their home to never return there. So we we ended up traveling just under 14,000 miles. Your social, your banking, your family, your work is all contained within this little box with weird glass on it that you touch way too often throughout the day. And certainly when you do something like being a digital nomad, that is it's your lifeblood. It is it connects you to the world. It connects you to where you're going, your maps and your information. It connects you to your work, your family. That relationship with our cell phones, our computers, our laptops, our iPads, our GPS machines became us, it became part of who we were. And the sun is shining, overlooking the mountains in Utah, and you're just stunned by it. And like, this is my home office that I'll remember for the rest of my life. I won't remember all the hundreds of calls I took from my apartment in Seattle, you know, before we did that. It seems like a rather bold move and, and it is, but it's one we've seen more and more. Yeah. You know, Adam told us that during our work from home edict, when we were all on lockdown, he was always wondering like, if he can't be in office, is there a reason that he should only work from his living room. And he works at T-Mobile too, and he was well aware of all of his mobile connectivity options. And also very well aware of all the accolades that we get for our 5G network. So he says he was confident he could keep all of his devices running smoothly on the road. And he also figured, hey, he may even learn a couple of new tricks. And I guess he was right because he says now that he's back in office, he's actually taken on a new role as the chief of staff for T-Mobile's head of digital. So I have to say well done to Adam for that. And you know, he's not the only one who's been really curious about this digital nomadic lifestyle. There's this movement of folks, pun intended, that are turning away from the conventional American dream of the house, the yard, the 30-year mortgage, all for a nomadic lifestyle. You can't spend a minute scrolling around social media before you spot eye-catching videos and images of these digital nomads looking decidedly young and free. So between the contrasty sunsets and picturesque beaches, it's clear that this trend is a young person's game. Or is it? Hi, I'm Shauna Ryan. And I'm Jason Adams. And you're listening to Mobile Diaries, a new podcast brought to you by T-Mobile Stories. We've got another fun episode for you. You might think of digital nomads as unique characters who hit the road and travel the world, often evangelizing the reward that comes from the risk of uprooting their previous lives in a fixed location. But instead of going quote unquote off the grid, they bounce between Wi-Fi hotspot to hotspot, often maintaining a full-time job. Rather than dealing with a mortgage or rent, they're paying for gas, plane tickets, and hotel stays. Now, I'm not much of a name dropper, 
Side note, Chonan knows this isn't true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> but the power of today's high-speed wireless connections like T-Mobile's 5G network makes this life more doable than ever before. Yeah, so coming to us from a cozy B&B in Mexico City is Siobhan Farr. She's a digital nomad who's a self-employed health insurance advisor, but she's also the founder of a group called Digital Nomads Beyond 50. Hey, Siobhan. Hello, Shauna and Jason. So you're coming to us from Mexico City. How are you liking it there? I love it here. Two days ago, I had a chance to, for the first time, go up in a hot air balloon over some pyramids, Aztec pyramids that are not too far from here. (laughs) What? No big deal. Just a little hot air balloon ride over some pyramids along your trek of many, many visits to many beautiful places. So now as a treat, Siobhan, you've been keeping a bit of a mobile diary with you. We're going to call them audio postcards, okay? And you took these as you were dotting the map through South America. Let's have a listen to your travels as you make your way up to where you are now in Mexico City. Today is Friday, the 18th of March. And this is my last day in Cartagena. I am walking along the seawall. On the left-hand side is the old city with beautifully painted colonial buildings. Well, it's Wednesday, and I've just arrived from Bogota um, to Panama City. It's a good night. Ah, today is Monday the 4th of April, and I am on a tour with Pin Pin. I'm here in Monteverde, Costa Rica, and we are climbing up a hill in his uh, family farm, and he's sharing us a little bit of the story of this land. My name is Pin Pin, and now we are starting to get inside in our primary forest. Listen there. What is that sound? Ah, what is that? That's my favorite beer. We call it the bell beard, El Pajaro Campana. Ah, He makes that sound, and then suddenly he makes something like, Ah! Oh! Huge beer. Actually, honestly, I never seen one in my life. You just hear my life, and so I. And the other panting that you hear is Zoha, <laughs> the German Shepherd puppy, who's accompanying us on the walk. Siobhan, you're making me jealous. The uh, the most adventure I had with a dog today was walking to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> um, maybe you can walk us through a little bit what we just heard, but also how typical is that in your day to day with you know your di- digital nomad travels? Well, it's. It is, I can't say that it's very typical, Jason, this particular um, period of time. But so I left on Christmas Day. <laughs> Getting out of Texas was my Christmas present to myself. <laughs> and um, and I, I started off in Colombia and um, I was in Medellin for about three Three months, almost three months, intense working months. Um, I was working on trying to learn Spanish as well. I was working on working with my new clients on the telephone. Typically, um, in my situation, I have to remind myself and be and discipline myself to give myself time off, which is what I'm doing right now as I'm country country hopping 
I'm so grateful that you actually right off the top kind of elaborate that because we've got so many questions about this kind of lifestyle, Siobhan, you know, but also despite that lovely sample that we just heard a second ago, I'm sure it's not always sunshine and surf. And you're kind of alluding to that, right? It's work. There's some real challenges that you also face along the way, right? Just just practical ones, not even just the fact that people probably think that this is just all fun and vacationing. You're like, no, no, I am working as I'm living as a digital nomad. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I would have to say that one of the the challenges um, I was, I prefer to be available to my clients. And I found myself out in an area of Costa Rica, as I always do, the Airbnb host actually was a small hotel in Playa Naranjo. I asked in advance, how's your how's your internet over there? And it's very important to me because I still have to do a little bit of work. And I was reassured, yes, it's excellent. Um, by the time I took a three-hour bus ride to Punta Arenas and then an hour ferry ride to Playa Naranjo and got myself all situated at this um, at this little hotel, come to find out that, yes, it's excellent as long as you stay in their dining room. Oh, no. <laughs> Digital nomading, from what we've been seeing, is really not a fad. There's been a steady increase in people joining the community. To get a little perspective here on the trend, I want to share a few statistics from something called Project Untethered. In the U.S. alone, there were nearly 11 million people in 2019 who considered themselves digital nomads. And by 2021, that number is 15 and a half. And interestingly, 70% of those people were women, which I think breaks a kind of common misconception that it's a male-dominated crowd. And Jason, you know, I think you and I have no doubt in our minds that the pandemic and our changing culture around remote work has been a really big catalyst in this movement, right? I mean, I think just in our own work, we've talked to a range of people who now are relying so much on their mobile devices, which, you know, is really complete sort of shift in thinking, working, living. Um, so it's, yeah, it's fascinating to know and be speaking with someone who's doing it to the level that you're doing it, Siobhan. Take us through why you chose to pursue this life and what the the origin story is for you. Origin story for me, I guess, is that I grew up traveling. From the time I was born until the time I was nine years old, I was living between Belize, Central America and Brooklyn, New York. It was kind of a crazy period of time. My mother would put me, people would probably report her to Child Protective Services now if she tried to do this. But she put me on a red eye coming out of JFK. And I would land in Miami around 12 o'clock at night. My flight to Belize didn't leave until about 7 o'clock in the morning. And I was seven years old. So I just feel like I kind of I kind of raised myself up in airports, you know, hanging around, seeing what goes on in the Miami airport after hours, so to speak. You're like, this feels like home. Listen, JFK sometimes does feel like home when you've spent enough time there. It really is Indeed. true. Indeed. But I'm sure there must have been a moment where you heard about the, there's this lifestyle called digital nomadism, right? Like I understand that you've traveled a lot, but maybe you had never really heard the term before or realized that you could do this as an actual way of life. It, was there a moment where you heard it for the first time? 
Becoming a digital nomad was really more a matter of divine than design. I knew that I wanted to be able to travel and work. I just didn't know how it was going to happen. But the next thing you know, the insurance carriers, they set up application platforms so we could take applications remotely. I realized that, hey, I don't need to be in Dallas you know, six to seven months out of the year, I can start traveling again. I wasn't yet thinking about being a digital nomad. I was primarily just thinking, I know that I can talk to my clients on the telephone and I'm not trying to plug necessarily T-Mobile. But the fact is, is that it uses the network of T-Mobile. I love it because it allows me to land in all of these countries and I don't have to run around looking for a SIM card. I just land, I turn my phone on, and I'm connected to data immediately. Early 2019, I started selling off 30 years of my life in Dallas, Texas, preparing to be a home-free nomad and then just figure out what happens when I come back in Dallas for work. Okay, let's break into some topical ground here. Earlier on, you heard from Adam Maddock, right? You know, better known on social media as Rooftop Adam. He would fit the demographic of a younger digital nomad, someone you'd expect to see when you hear about this lifestyle. But, you know, for yourself, Siobhan, you started an organization called Digital Nomads Beyond 50. I'm curious, like, what is this group all about? Well, how I started it has a lot to do with what you just said about the younger nomads in their 20s and 30s. When I was in Quito, I created a digital marketing plan for myself, was running ads on Facebook. And I began to realize, it kind of dawned on me, wow, I guess guess I'm becoming a digital nomad. I had gone out to try to find a co-live co-work so that I could, you know, spend like a month in a community of digital nomads and possibly meet some who were older. Well, when I tried to apply for one of the well-known co-live, co-work organizers that are out there, part of the application is you click on the age group that you fall into. The oldest age group on their website was 45 plus. I clicked on that and immediately got a pop-up message saying, thanks, but we are not at this point um, to the place where we can accommodate this age group. Well, I'm sure they're older people like I am. There must be more out there. And I went online trying to, you know, literally Google older digital nomads. Wasn't finding too much. And so I said, well, you know, I'll just create a Facebook group and see who else is out there. And that is how I started Digital Nomads Beyond 50. I went out seeking Initially, other people who were established digital nomads in this age group so that I could learn from them. I just feel I am right now, I am truly, they talk about people living their best life. I am truly living my best life. I'm heading down the very steep hills ahead in Monteverde, Costa Rica. Uh, on a new adventure. I'll be taking a bus about an hour and a half and then a ferry about an hour. Um, final destination would be Playa, will be Playa Naranjo. I'm looking forward to it. Please leave your message after the tongue. 
You're listening to Mobile Diaries, a podcast brought to you by T-Mobile Stories. We're exploring the fascinating stories of how mobile technology has shaped our lives, especially in the last two and a half years, and how we can learn to use our devices without them using us. So follow us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows so that you can follow us on our mobile diary journey. You can also check out our website, mobilediariespodcast.com. If you're happy with your message, press one. Wednesday, April 6th at 11.22 on the ferry to um, Playa Naranjo, listening to the sounds of music and voices around me. We are back with Siobhan, our digital nomad for today with more colorful clips from her travels that she's jotted down. That's another page out of her mobile diary. I'm now standing in the Gulf of Nicoya. (laughs) My feet are just at the water's edge. Somebody's in a boat heading out. You can hear them go by. The water is excellent. It is just cool enough to be refreshing, but not so cold that it would be bracing (laughs) if you were to jump in. Another amazingly peaceful moment here Saturday the 9th of April at Playa Naranjo. Siobhan, I know what my thoughts were, and I was blown away. I was transported from this desk and microphone, you know, to a whole other place. What were your thoughts of that moment you just shared with us? That was that was very early in the morning. There was nobody else around, and me just standing on the edge of of that bay and just feeling once again, this this is what I'm living for. <laughs> As I was listening to myself, <laughs> I just I was just sitting here smiling and and reliving that moment and standing in the bay. It was just, it was just wonderful. I want to come back really quickly here to Adam Maddox's story too. He's the guy you heard at the start of the episode, right? In our chat with him, he mentioned how there are unexpected challenges that can really throw a wrench in your nomadic plans. You know, as a former U.S. Marine, though, he spent a lot of time in preparation mode and it came in handy when he decided his COVID stay-at-home work life could be done on the move. Uh, So I lived at the time in downtown Seattle. Uh, Everyone was working from home. Things boarded up, locked down. And I remember sitting, having a very visceral moment, sitting in my kitchen, which also served as my living room slash workspace slash, you know, hangout spot on a, a video conference call and thinking, why do I, why do I need to be here? And to me, that was, it was like a switch in my, in my head. My lease happened to be ending and yeah, we, we didn't have an itinerary. That's sort of counter to my ethos. Like I, I'm a plan things down where we're going, where we're moving. Um, but the problem with creating a strict itinerary is that nature always has other plans. So I remember it was early December here in Seattle, obviously pouring, and we had already packed up the entire apartment. So everything was in storage. We woke up on an air mattress. I remember sitting there just thinking it's happening. Like it, it was more of a oh crap moment. Like there's no turning back now. Like we don't have a home. I'm leaving my keys in the apartment, shutting the door. I remember walking down there in the rain, you know, dog gets wet. Obviously the dog smells when it gets wet. So that's not my favorite start to the trip. I remember him sitting in the back and we started the car and remember driving up the hills in Seattle to go on the highway, 
50% scared, 50% excited, probably more like 75% scared, 25% excited at first, right? Just to get over that inertia or get that inertia to get over that hump. But once we're on the road, like once we hit that first sunrise going through uh, Eastern Washington, through Idaho, you're like, this is it, this is what's happening. As you just heard, things don't always go according to plan, especially when it comes to the weather. Siobhan, you had a big moment at the beginning of your journey, too, and it was a lot more than a couple drops of rain. Am I right? Yes. (laughs) As we're moving through your journey, can you sort of reset us at what it was like during COVID? I mean, that was, you know, calling it a storm, I think, is to put it lightly. Um, But I'm just wondering if you could sort of, you know, tell us when you headed out on your very first trip? Well, yes, it was quite um, a challenge at first because I had a six countries by six month itinerary laid out for myself when I left Dallas, Texas in March of 2020. And I planned to only be in Ecuador for three weeks. I landed in Quito, which is the capital, the night that they closed the country, locked down. The whole country had been warned, if you're out after curfew, there will be a fine. Just the same way they started a mask mandate fine that same day. So I would say some of my darker days in the whole nomad thing was during the first couple of months because my first thought was, did I make the right decision to stay here as compared to go back to Dallas? Talking about the cost difference and the, you know, the cost of living difference. I was paying a third of my rent in that Airbnb, which was very, very nice. Just absolutely ideal. But at the same time, I was just thinking I left Dallas to be a nomad (laughs) I'd even launched a blog. I'd had this big party going away, launch party for Bronze Abroad, which was the name of my blog. I've left Dallas to become this this person. Well, if I'm not traveling, then what what am I? (laughs) Where am I? But being still for that amount of time helped me to really absorb what I had done to my life. I mean, I had sold all 30 years of my life. I didn't even have a home anymore, basically. I I didn't have that time to really absorb what I was doing to my life, what I was doing to myself until I was sitting still in, um, in Quito, Ecuador and coming to terms with that. And then after I came to terms with that saying, this is a good thing. Yeah, this really is a good thing. You know, it sounds like you felt completely confident. Is that correct? Like in terms of being a digital nomad? Yes. The technology made sense to you? Yes. There's There's been a learning curve for some people because for some people who were in beyond 50, they have been working. Sometimes they say, I want to become a digital nomad. I want to work remote, but I don't have any technical skills. I'm not an engineer. I'm not a software. I'm not, that, I'm not doing any of that stuff. I said, you'd be surprised what you have the head for when you start doing it. I said, I didn't know how to edit videos. I didn't know how to create a virtual summit online and all of that. I learned all of that while I was doing it. And I said, if I can do it, and I'm in my 60s, you can do it. You're 55. <laughs> You're not even 55 yet. You can, do, you can do it as well, too. In fact, I just met on the hot air balloon trip 
that I went on earlier this week. I met a young woman. She's a digital nomad. So it's kind of nice to pick up information from, I call them pups, but the fact is, is that they, they know a lot. And I, I, I even in, had some of them as speakers for our virtual summit because there are things that they can share that we may not still be aware of as you know older digital nomads. Is there any other top tier advice, like one other one thing that you would say, this is my big piece of advice for you if you're going to start this journey. Is there anything else that you would say to people? Start getting rid of stuff because at this age, you typically have accumulated a lot of stuff in your life. I still ended up with all of the sales that I had. I still ended up with having one more storage unit than I expected to have. I have two 10 by 10, and I'm still surprised at how much is in that second storage unit. But um, start uh, also cleaning up your life, identifying who you are and what you want out of your life. What role does the idea of mobile mindfulness have for you? How are you using your devices and your technology with intention? I had started keeping a a paper and pen gratitude journal. One of the first times that I traveled big, um, when I went to Amsterdam, I had taken blank sheets because it was a three ring notebook. So I wasn't going to take the three ring notebook with me, but I had taken so many pages out of the three ring notebook so that I can continue writing out my journal. And I thought to myself, you know, if you're going to start really traveling again, this is going to be a bit cumbersome. And somehow came across gratefulness.me after using it for, I guess by the time I was in Ecuador, I had been using it for about almost two years. I just start my day every single day. I go into my handheld, it's on my mobile, it's a mobile app, and I put six posts. I start, I am grateful, I am grateful, I am grateful, I am grateful. Because what to me that means from a mindful standpoint is that I am already setting up my day to be grateful for at least six things. They may be small, they may be big, but I'm going to be grateful for at least six things today. And to me, that is one of the ways that mindfulness has become mobile for me. And I remember thinking to myself as I was pulling that information, wow, this is so amazing that all of this is on my phone. I have access to all of this just on my phone. Oh, Siobhan, I have to say, we could learn so much from you. This has been such a wonderful conversation about your journey and also, you know, learning about not just the technology that helps you do what you love, but also some of the mobile mindful techniques that you use to guide you on your way. I just want to say from Jason and I, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for inviting me. I mean, I get to talk about some of my favorite stuff right now, because as you can probably tell, Digital Nomads Beyond 50 is my favorite topic. I'm just so excited. We just we just hit 700 members. Actually, we just passed 700 members. To see this happen in you know just a, a year or so of of starting this, truly, really starting it. I just I just I'm just very hopeful for what will the path ahead is. I am standing in front of the hot air balloon here, out near the pyramids outside of Mexico City. The sound that you hear behind me is the balloons filling up with air before we take flight. 
and I can't wait. This is my first hot air balloon ride and this is something I've wanted to do for some time. And off into the sunset, Siobhan goes. It's one of my okay. most exciting moments in life. <laughs> Jason, what do you think? Are you going to be the next digital nomad I now know in my life? <laughs> well, you also, you know me well enough to know that I'm a bit of a nervous Nelly. Um, but I will say after speaking with Siobhan, I feel a little bit more emboldened and I can see, you know, that there's actual possibility, but whereas like she took a full plunge, maybe I start with dipping my toe into it. Today, our guest was Siobhan Farr, a digital nomad and founder of Digital Nomads Beyond 50. Also, special thanks to Adam Maddock for sharing his journey as well. You can find him online, if you wish, under his social handle, Rooftop Adam. I'm Shauna Ryan. And I'm Jason Adams. You've been listening to Mobile Diaries, a show brought to you by T-Mobile Stories with production support from JAR Audio. Join us in our next episode where we raise the stakes even higher. And I mean, really high. The first mission that I actually went on was a rescue of relatively significant complication. It was relatively long. A vehicle had ended up down in the bottom of a road, and it was about a 750-foot descent on ropes to go get them. It was very surreal. It was, uh, you know, you're hanging on a rope on the side of a hill, and you're like, wow, this is... This is not consulting about direct-to-consumer experience in the wine industry. You know, I am not sitting on a Zoom call right now. This is very different. It's a helicopter ride into the outdoor adventures of one of the United States' most intense search and rescue counties. So don't forget to hit follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. And if you like today's episode, leave a review for us. We'd love to know what you think. Until then, thanks for listening. 